0: Welcome to another episode of the Carnal Extremities Podcast. A podcast where we take a look at your favorite extreme movies and pair them up with your favorite extreme music. I am one of your hosts, as always, Reina Cervantes. um, Culture critic, horror critic, horror analyst extraordinaire. And joining me, as always, is...
1: I'm Vanna, and I am a... Or academic and your other podcast hosts.
0: Indeed, indeed. Two two hosts for the price of one, I would say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um this 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 week is pretty exciting. We're finally getting back into our groove of recording, being a little bit more consistent, yeah, you would say.
1: Yes, yeah. Now that now that school's over, I have so much more time to make sure we stay on top of this which is good because this is fun and I want to keep doing it
0: (laughs) just picture me at a party if you will there's a room full of people holding drinks talking chatting what you know what people do at a party and I'm standing in a corner and I'm just standing there and I'm like they don't know we recorded two episodes this week
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're overachievers this week that's for sure
0: yeah well, we have to after that break. Well, we don't have to. We want to. We're passionate about Yes. This. We're passionate about extreme movies. Passionate about extreme music. Like, two things I love very near and dear to me. Absolutely. So, Vanna, the movie we're covering today is pretty interesting. Wouldn't you say so?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it'll all make sense in relation to some of our previous episodes and and things like that.
0: This one's actually interesting too because I put up that survey asking everybody what their favorite extreme horror movie was and we actually got responses to this one saying it wasn't considered like extreme horror or an extreme movie in general, but I actually think contrary to what people say that it is firmly in the extreme genre.
1: Yeah, I um I think it's hard, uh, kind of along the same lines as our first episode covering Saw. It's one of those things where I think once you're much more um much deeper into the horror genre or a, a much more seasoned viewer than some of these films we might have been talking about uh so far might not be where your mind goes when you think extreme, but definitely in like a broader sense, these are definitely like, I would say the gateway to extreme horror. So definitely nothing crazy, but I would say these are like my gateway drug to um, the gnarlier stuff.
0: And speaking of gateway drugs, join us this week as we fly over oceans to go to Europe for this episode. We're not recording in Europe, but the movie set in Europe. I just want to make that clear and for full transparency. <laughs> um, the movie this week we're covering is Hostel, released on January 6, 2006 aka my 13th birthday the film was written and directed by eli roth the film stars jay hernandez Derek richardson e- hmm, pardon me uh apologize apologies to the audience i'm gonna butcher this next name e- if you're J- J- johnson J- johnson i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna wing that and jennifer lim The film follows three backpackers as they head to a Slovak city that promises to meet their hedonistic expectations with no idea of the hell that awaits them when they're kidnapped and sold to people who wish to participate in torture for their sick pleasures. I have to ask what, what okay, broad question first. What do you think of Hostel, the first installment in particular?
1: Specifically the first Hostel. Um, to sum it up pretty quickly, I would say I guess trash that I love. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I thoroughly enjoy it, but I um, do also think it's not objectively the best thing you could watch, <laughs> um, even from this specific director or even within this specific uh, franchise, I guess. So, yeah,
0: I'd say this thing is almost um, like the mission statement of our pod. It's literally about a group of people going... To this place to get their most sick desires fulfilled in a weird way. Not in a weird way, but it's like the movie is as plain as day. But it's about people that have those like carnal pleasures of the more extreme side and want them like fulfilled.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's a really interesting film, I guess, in that way. Cause yeah, it's definitely, um, you know sick people paying a lot of money to do sick things i guess
0: sick people doing sick things god that should have been our tagline for this pod that would have been perfect (laughs) (laughs) um i personally um have mixed feelings on this film as well in the broadest sense of the term um this was eli roth's second film after 2004's cabin fever which uh I personally, I think Cabin Fever is a masterpiece. I don't know about anyone else. Um, so of course expectations were going to be a little high for his second film. Um, and this was like right at the start of the tour of the quote unquote torture porn genre that Lionsgate was peddling at the time. Um, and yeah, I think this movie was a little bit advertised as something that it's not. They really put a big emphasis on, like, the torture in the advertising. But then you watch the movie, and I th- I personally think the torture is, like, a very small part of this movie.
1: Yeah, I think the first time I ever watched it, um, I don't want to use the word disappointed, but um, I think this is why I can see why a lot of people might argue whether or not it's extreme so um if people didn't know this specific film the uh is why we have the term torture porn um it was a review posted of this film specifically called uh torture porn now showing at your local multiplex um i think david edelstein was the reviewer. Um, he was responding to his viewing of this film by kind of doing that a little breakdown of like what we had seen so he in that article retroactively applied that label to Saw and um the films of Rob Zombie and things like that that had already come out. So it kind of, you know, he did a little bit of that connection to 9/11 and discussions of torture and humanity and things like that. So um the term torture porn, like, I think is is a pretty loaded term. Like, obviously, none of the films that are labeled torture porn are actually torture porn or even, I would argue, even show that much torture at all. But when you think of, like, the broader, like, audience that's going to the theater, um, some of these films being in your local multiplex might be a little shocking to the average, you know, weekend uh, cinema viewer, I guess. So I would say I, I didn't see this when it came out. It took me quite a while before I actually saw it. And having already known that it was considered torture porn, I watched it and I was like, Uh, where's the torture? (laughs) Like, I know that torture is technically part of the plot, um, because of the organization and, you know, buying people to literally torture, but as far as the actual, like, screen time of, of violence that we see, um, especially the theatrical release, um, there's, like, a couple things that were cut out, um, but yeah, I was like, there's really not that much torture in this, so... The fact that it is responsible for the label torture porn being created, it was like, I I felt a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That was a little bit of a rant, I guess. But there's not, not there's not really that much torture. It's not I wouldn't argue the main focus as far as like when it comes to screen time and things like that.
0: I need to rewind a brief moment and correct myself. Cabin Fever was released in 2002. I said four. I don't want people coming for me. I knew I just (laughs) misspoke. Um, Regardless, wrapping around back to hostile. Um, Yeah, it really was this thing where I think Saw took off. And Lionsgate was like, we need to more or less market this as one of those type of movies. Um, But really, it's like this like weird, like homophobic, xenophobic, offensive look at like an international country, as bad as that is to say. It really is, though. Um, It's a very crass movie which is why I think places it firmly in the extreme genre. Sure, it's not filled with extreme violence from start to finish, but it it is filled with content that allows its viewers to form a visceral reaction to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say, um, you know, kind of on that topic of like torture porn, like the term torture porn definitely does not is not meant to signal that there is any sort of torture and or porn involved, but that like the public is really like, um, cause in the years leading up to this film's release is when, um, the events of Abu Ghraib became public knowledge and American soldiers torturing war criminals, uh, or war prisoners, um, whether or not they were criminals. um, And so just, like, the idea of torture was just in the public mind. And I think that triggered a lot of anxiety about, like, what it means to, like, ethics, morality, humanity. Um, We're also, like, pretty deep into the war on terror at this point. So uh, that's why I think we get a lot of that kind of, like, vacation horror. Like, the idea that, like, if we were to travel somewhere, like they do in this film, that like, for some reason, Americans are going to be targeted. Um, Like, I think that is kind of a a portrayal, like, in this film of, like, the war on terror and this idea that, like, we as Americans are being persecuted. Um, But I also think, like, Eli Roth is a little, is being a little subversive here because it's very clear that the protagonists or main characters are not likable and that they kind of get themselves into a lot of the shit that they, um, you know, end up having to go through. Um, so I think he's almost like playing with the idea of whether or not they deserve it. And like, are we going to root for main characters that are not good people? Um, I don't know. Like I have, I guess, I'm not sure how I feel about Eli Roth like as a person, but I just think it's really interesting that um, I don't know, like there's on one end, there's there's quite a bit of xenophobic uh, rhetoric going on in the film, but also having to root for and or like go along with characters that are not good people. Like, I don't know. It's kind of a, a very interesting mix. Like there's no clear cut, uh, moral, uh, like standing in the film. Like you're not rooting for one, one person or the other. I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting in that way to me.
0: Well, that's exactly what I think is clear cut about the film is that it's about the ugly side of humanity on all fronts um it shows like at the time at the time as bad as this sounds like it shows a very realistic portrayal of how people thought at the time because yeah back in the day people would throw around gay slurs no problem like you said war on terror everybody like a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people at the time hated international countries because of what was happening in the world. Um, people viewed Americans in not a great light. Uh, it was an assault on all fronts, for better lack of the term. It was like a it was like a culture war in in and of itself. Um, and I think this film represents a very like a very a very particular time capsule of a time period, like. The way I remember the 2000s, like the mid 2000s, is almost exactly this film to a T. As horrible as that is to say.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. People were saying lots of stuff, lots of out of pocket stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's really like touching on tourism and things like that. Um, and like really poking at how entitled we are like pretty early on like when they get there they're like is there any fucking dutch people in amsterdam like like i think that's kind of poking at like the tourist culture because it's like they are commenting on that but they're also the tourists that are contributing to that demographic breakdown right there um and like when they get kicked out of that club he's like i'm an american and like he's you know they throw that around a lot as if telling and announcing that you are an American means that you're now entitled to better treatment and things like that. Like is, is yeah, that it is very clear that, that these are, um, questionable dudes for sure. Which is um, like
0: still a topic that's brought up in extreme, in the extreme genre today. I mean, just look at infinity pool and the parallels that this has with Hostel.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a really interesting, um, connection I really love like there's these people traveling to another country they end up being mixed up with this weird subculture uh that's basically the um you know shenanigans of uh rich people (laughs) I don't know it's yeah it's a really interesting uh fun little connection there
0: the idea of rich tourists or American tourists viewing international countries as a playground
1: yeah yeah oh yeah definitely which is yeah like which is said, obviously still a huge
0: problem which is wild because they're like they're both eastern europe too huh
1: yeah um i think infinity pool is uh i think he specifically wanted to not do what eli roth did and use an actual country um yeah but it's very obviously croatia <laughs> <A lot> of- <laughs> yeah i think it's filmed that way but um the there's It has a very, like, Soviet block vibe, um, like, with Cyrillic writing and things like that on the buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, yeah, it's like, it's like, you can tell where it is, but, like, they make sure not to actually name a country um, or name a a real country because Eli Roth got quite a bit of flack from Slovakia. After the re- release of this film, yeah, that's um,
0: that's interesting. I wanted to bring that up, considering everything that went on um it says Slo- slovak reaction to setting according to wikipedia the film's release was accompanied by strong complaints from slovakia and the Czech republic slovak and Czech officials were disgusted and outraged by the film's portrayal of their countries as underdeveloped poor and uncultured lands suffering from high criminality war and prostitution fearing it would damage the good reputation of slovakia and make foreigners feel it was a dangerous place to be The tourist board of Slovakia invited Roth on an all expenses paid trip to their country so he could see it is not made up of rundown (laughs) factories, ghettos and kids who would kill for bubble gum, (laughs) which is uh, which is wild. Uh, Defending himself, Roth (laughs) said the film was not meant to be offensive, arguing, quote, Americans don't even know that this country exists. Whoa, red flag right there. (laughs) yeah what what a wild thing to say but he then continues to say my film is not a geographical work but aims to show americans ignorance of the world around them he argued that despite the texas chainsaw massacre series being set in texas people still travel and visit texas to this day valid points on both sides if i'm being entirely honest
1: okay yes but I, i so i think um I think what he, like, I think he wanted to do what, like I said, Brandon Cronenberg did, where it's, like, a little, um, arbitrary or, like, abstracted. Like, it's not, like, they're not going to, like, France or, or, you know, Italy. Like, a big-name country that I think, like, a lot of people would, like, instantly have, um, like preconceived notions or have been there before and things like that like i think so he he kind of chose a country that was a little more obscure um cuz i think yeah before watching the movie i don't, i don't think i knew slovakia was its own country cuz there's also slovenia pretty close so i think people get that kind of mixed up um but it's interesting that he he's making a movie about american entitlement and things like that but he also in that statement was displaying his own sense of entitlement that like, um, like, oh, no, no one's ever heard of it. So who cares if I portray it in a bad way? Exactly. Like he could have done what Cronenberg did and made it even if he filmed it there or You know, there's clear connections like called it something else, just even if it's just on the plane tickets or just in the dialogue that they name a different like a fictional country. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. He like that's how I feel about like all of his work a little bit is that he is like smart enough to be trying to work with these themes, but he like ends up exposing his own (laughs) entitlement or his own um well i don't know short uh feelings i guess i don't know yeah
0: short-sighted view but i think it also comes with the territory of being a genre like exploitation filmmaker like at the end of the day as problematic and as terrible as it is he's one of those filmmakers that i feel is out there to shock with every piece of filmmaking that he does uh, like whoever gets offended be damned, which yeah it it is it is problematic, but at the same time it it's like it's terrible, but I also feel like he almost made an apology letter for this movie with the sequel, which we <laughs> won't dive we won't dive too 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 into that one today because i i I really wanna do a full episode on that um so. Hostel yeah it exists at this weird frame of mind um it is wild we got something like Infinity Pool earlier this year which literally does everything that Hostel tries to do but kind of like brings it to a whole new caliber of like filmmaking um I I guess I guess what I'm really trying to hammer home at the end of the day is this movie is is a time capsule it hasn't aged well um is there good stuff in it of course um is there bad stuff in it a lot yes um but i almost feel we've evolved past the point for movies like this
1: okay yeah am um, i making
0: sense did i just talk myself into a fucking circle you can be honest
1: (laughs) no no i i agree yeah i i think any uh I think none- none of the problematic elements um I guess negate um the value I see in this movie um do I think yes, he could have put in like a little bit more effort to change some things? Sure, but do I think that because he didn't do that that the movie is trash and no one should ever watch it? No, you know, like I still mm-hmm. enjoy it, and I can still pull um all of the kind of really interesting things he was trying to do from it regardless of whether or not like he fumbles a little bit in some ways like i still think it's really um really interesting like i don't know like yeah did i take a tally of all the f yes i did but yes i still enjoy watching it as a queer person yes i do i
0: like Please, please i don't know like please reveal how many slurs were said in this film because i've been waiting to know this number
1: it's not as is not as much as you think um i'm not sure exactly how it might differ between the rated and unrated cut but so far i had four f-slurs um as well as three other uh insults based on using uh, gay or homophobia as the you know the butt of the joke. Um, there were a few extra things that were just general displays of of fragile masculinity. Uh, there are two generally xenophobic lines. Uh, one additional line that's a little more like broadly racist. Uh, one R slur and fifteen pairs of tits. That's not an offensive. Slur or anything like that. I just thought that was an interesting stat to add in there. So
0: to uh, clarify, <laughs> that is uh, thirty individual boobs.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, thirty boobs. Um, you, there are some boobs make a reappearance, but I did not count like double count. Those are yeah, fifteen separate women <laughs> who are topless.
0: Okay. Um, which okay. is interesting. Yeah interesting interesting this sounds like a pretty loaded movie um so to our audience members that voted that this movie isn't that extreme what the hell are you talking about
1: <laughs> we do uh, also have one drill hole one sliced Achilles tendon and four severed fingers so there's that
0: <laughs> i love the fact that you took like stats on every single thing cuz i'm thinking we're i'm thinking we're going to do that every movie now
1: it's a it's fun. It's fun to see uh, one uh, Shining reference with Room 237. Uh, yeah, that's all the tallies I took. I was just interested because I the one thing that like stuck with me after the first time I watched it was just remembering uh, how many slurs. But in my tally, I was actually pleasantly surprised that there were only four. I think I probably remembered many more because i think um you know every other homophobic insult you know carries that weight so i think when i was looking back on it i was like man this this might be hard to watch but um but no i uh, i enjoy it regardless
0: i want to talk about the fact that eli roth was studying a website where you could pay to shoot somebody in the head with a gun and basically got an email saying, yo, you need to stop looking into this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that's another really interesting aspect where like, um, any of, any of the elements I just, uh, tallied off there, um, don't negate that. I think there's something really interesting going on and that he, Like, obviously found some real inspiration for, you know, like, the story that he wanted to tell. Because there's some, there's some, you know, messed up stuff that does happen in this world. I don't know, you know. Yeah, like, maybe you won't specifically get lured into a hostel that's a front for, like, a torture scheme by young hot slovakian women but you know there's definitely things out there that should be maybe wary of i guess
0: (laughs) fair enough fair enough i know i would never be googling that so props to eli roth for doing that and making a thumb of it so i can live vicariously through that um do you have a favorite a favorite scene in this movie question mark do you have like a favorite element any 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 like favorites in this
1: any favorites i mean you know takashi Mike does have a, oh, a cameo
0: you fucking took mine god damn it
1: <laughs> <laughs> i do i do love um i do love that little cameo um i love there's like a little I would argue like a Texas chainsaw reference um at the end during the little his little escape uh one of the torturers who is wielding a chainsaw does slip and fall and cut his leg with the chainsaw like another uh, oh, does at the end
0: I didn't pick up on that
1: that's interesting yeah, actually and...
0: Slovakian yeah, chainsaw um... massacre
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> and um I do I do like what uh, Eli Roth refers to as the eye gasm
0: scene. Oh, stop taking all my favorite parts! God damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I mean, it is low hanging fruit because there's, there's. It some... really is. <laughs> he, you know, he. That's one thing I do like about him. He kind of. I know he was really aiming to get those specific things um, in there, so of course that's what we picked up on. You know we're not going to talk about the achilles tendon i mean yeah i mean i think that's a given that's a rough one christ That's christ like almighty i can't even one like, fear
0: i can't even like yeah no fears watches that scene one fear i literally literally i can't like look at that scene every time it happens i like glance away which is probably terrible that i'm running an extreme movie podcast and saying that i can't look at that scene but i uh one time i got a paper cut on my heel and it just fucked me for the week i will say i love the blowtorch scene to the eye obviously and i love how when they're at the train station she sees like how her face looks now and she just fucking jumps in front of the train like
1: yeah yeah i read um i i think i heard somewhere maybe it was another podcast that had covered uh covered it but you know i think that was one thing that uh the film got a little criticized for like how like like a shallow view of women that you know we are vain and you know because we look ugly because of our eye we would rather die but the actress herself i think she was also critical of uh that action by her character but then i think she said when she saw herself with the prosthetic on she was like oh yeah yeah that makes sense (laughs) i think she she did also personally empathize with the character uh for taking that action after so you know if to you as a as an audience member you might read something as being misogynistic or shallow view of women like sometimes uh sometimes it helps to know how the the actresses themselves actually feel about their their characters and things like that so i thought that was interesting
0: definitely uh I like this movie. I think it's a fun group watch as well, as terrible as it is in some parts. Um, I think it paved the way for more wild mainstream horror movies to come and take the cake. You see sort of its little influence living on today in films like Infinity Pool, which take everything in this and crank it up to 11. Um, I recommend this. I, I still enjoy Hostel. Um, I enjoy the sequel far more, but that's 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 a conversation for another day.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say without this one we wouldn't have the masterpiece that is hostile part two. The so, secret feminist
0: that? masterpiece known as Hostile yeah. Colon Part Two.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll hopefully get there Wh- someday.
0: Sooner than later. I promise. I promise. Oh yeah. But <laughs> uh to keep us on pace for time vanna do you want to talk about uh the album that we we have strange strangely paired this up with this week
1: of course so yeah this week we paired up eli roth's hostel with the album mesmerized by system of a down which released on may 17th 2005 and according to last fm System of a Down is an Armenian-American alternative metal band uh, formed in 1994 in the beautiful Los Angeles, California. All four members are of Armenian descent and are widely known for their views expressed in many of their songs confronting the Armenian genocide of 1915 by the Ottoman Empire, which I know specifically Serge Tankian's, uh, all four of his grandparents were survivors of that genocide, um, and the ongoing war on terror in the United States. Uh, so that's something we kind of mentioned in relation to the film, but the band consists of Serge Tankian, uh, who does the vocals, uh, Darren Malakian, who does some vocals and guitar, Shavo Odajan, uh, who does bass and vocals, and John Delmayan, uh, who is on the drums. And System of Down has achieved commercial success with five albums and many singles, such as their breakout hit Chop Suey, Toxicity, Aerials, BYOB, and Question, Hypnotize, and Lonely Day. Uh, Their works have earned them one Grammy Award amongst three nominations. Um, and mesmerize is the first half of a double album by the band with the second part being hypnotized which was released later in the same year as mesmerize so
0: yeah like when you told me this is the album that you wanted to pair up with hostile i kind of raised an eyebrow and went how but i was really sold on it really fast not only because i love the fucking hell out of this band but what but because of what you're about to say,
1: <laughs> yeah, I um, so I have a whole chapter uh talking about torture porn in my thesis. So I've been thinking a lot about uh the some of the things I mentioned earlier in relation to Edelstein's review of Hostel and his like assessment of 9/11 and Abu Ghraib and the way that uh, influenced. Uh, films of the time, but obviously System of Down is very vocal in their lyrics on criticizing the war on terror. And um, a couple of those songs are specifically on this album, like uh, BYOB. I think everyone kind of is a little familiar with um, the like war criticism on that song uh, with like the end being like you know why don't presidents like fight in the war like why do they always send the poor and things like that um also at the end uh when he says like blast off it's party time and we don't live in a fascist nation often when they sing that lyric live uh they echo yes we do um so very clear in the way they think of uh our government um But also, specifically, the song Violent Pornography. Um, You know, we're talking about torture porn. I mean, violent pornography, torture porn.
0: Oh, I get it. It's (laughs) almost like poetry, it
1: rhymes. (laughs) 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 So, um, yeah, because like that song is specifically talking about like the degrading nature of media, which they're talking more about um, like news media and journalism. But I think that's a really. Fun little connection to the way people feel about torture porn. Um, Another, you know, maybe not as obvious lyric that someone might, you know, point to as a connection between Hostel or the Hostel franchise and this album is (laughs) in violent pornography. Uh, They talk about, like, they say it's a nonstop disco, bet you it's Nabisco, bet you didn't know and that's because of the nobisco advertisements um and like they have a pretty big uh stake in i guess making money off advertising uh, in pornography so um i kind of i don't know there's like this connection i made between these like big wig elite like corporate powers and the violence and things like that in our society and you know and hostile the um, kind of elite society uh, that pays to torture people um, I think that kind of is a similar critique uh, of society or a similar thing that Roth is kind of pointing to with the film that uh, Tankin is pointing to with this lyric, I guess I don't know if that makes sense. that was kind of a rant, but, um, yeah, there's just you know it's the kind of shit you get on your t v you know
0: mhm it- exactly, and that's what hostile is the kind of shit you get on your t v but um, I do find all of those connections really interesting, especially like how torture porn was like almost a direct response to nine eleven and the war on terror and how System of a Down is very vocal in their criticism on the War on Terror. It's it's strange how much that was like... It's not strange. It's very obvious now that you look back on it, but it's wild how much that was penetrating mainstream media. Like, almost like the 1960s hippies were taking over <laughs> the mainstream media. Um, it's It's history constantly repeating itself. You had Easy Rider back during the Vietnam War. You had Hostel during the Iraq War. Um, Life is but a circle. We're doomed to make our past mistakes if we don't learn from them, as we have learned time and a half again. Also, System of a Down is just a great fucking band, like probably with some of the most unique vocals I've ever heard because of surge tankian although darren sings a lot a lot on these two albums
1: yeah i think that's kind of part of the um you know since uh hypnotize the the like double album um being like their last studio album like obviously you know on this and hypnotize we get a lot less surge i think as far as vocals go um which is awesome but i think you know i think that points to like that he was on his way out of um his commitment i guess to system of a down but um
0: yeah they talk yeah, about I, that lo- he, I love them <laughs> yeah they talk about how during this period he was almost fired from the band and looking back on it even in an interview from this year they're like yeah maybe we should have broken up in 2006 like this was really like a kind of a stop point for the band as a whole
1: yeah it's a, uh, it's sad because like i said i love them and i think obviously a lot of the stuff on this album is really interesting um but you know things end unfortunately <laughs> Um. They did do like they do still tour sometimes. Um my parents got to see them a few years back and they didn't take me with them, which was really upsetting, but oh well. I'll I would, get over it eventually. I would
0: love to see System of a Down do like a coachella and just just to see how the new young people react to
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> I think um yeah, I think BYOB would specifically be a really fun song to hear,
0: Partying in the Desert. Have, have you ever heard of who the first two Coachella headliners were? This is a little bit off topic.
1: I have not. I am not a, um, you know, so not well versed in the Coachella lore.
0: Coachella lore. Um, Unfortunately, <laughs> I am one of those people that goes every year. I've pretty much gone every year since 2012 but that's beside the point um the very first headliners of Coachella were Tool and Rage Against the Machine
1: you know I I don't like saying this because it often comes with romanticizing you know other time periods and things like that but that's one of those moments where I'm like yeah I was I wish I was born a little bit earlier (laughs)
0: I would have lost my mind at that first Coachella.
1: Like, that is um exactly what, that's, like, under the only circumstances that I would have attended Coachella.
0: <laughs> I'm like, we need to go back. We need to go back to the roots yeah. of the Coachella Music Festival. Yeah. <laughs> um, But circling back to topic, uh, this album, this double album, came out, like, right when I was in, like, I was like 13, 12, 13 at the time. Super, super shaped who I am today as a person and the music I listen to. I begged my mom for like money to go buy like both of them because back in the day, I'm so old. Let me put my walker away. Back in the day, we used to have to go buy our music on CDs and actually put a disc into a player. No, I'm kidding. Um but i did beg my mom for money to go to uh sam Goody and buy these albums and the physical copies of them like if you bought both albums like slide into each other and create like a single case that holds both discs it it was so fucking cool at the time as like an early teenager like i was like damn it doesn't get any cooler than this
1: no it doesn't and that is one of the reasons why I'm glad we're bringing physical media back a little bit, <laughs> maybe not CDs yet. People haven't quite. No. Um, unless you're, unless you're my partner who nonstop buys CDs, uh, that seems to be the one piece of physical media people aren't really bringing back. But, um, but it's just fun. Like the the way the cases are, like the materials that come with it. Like that stuff is just so fun.
0: Oh God, I. I... I, I, like, totally flashback to, like, Sam Goody and Hot Topic when they sold music and just buying stuff like System of a Down or 9.0 Live by Slipknot. Oh, God. Takes, know. And they, takes me back. Like,
1: Hot Topic didn't, Hot Topic have, like, um where you could, like, listen and, like, sample music. And they things did. Like There's, like, set of headphones. I miss... The old hot topic. Mm -hmm.
0: And then for a little (laughs) bit, my hot topic had the thing where like it was digital so you could scan the CD and sample it. It wasn't like a rotating like thing of new releases.
1: That's fun. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back.
0: For real. (laughs) I mean, System of a Down came back. Why can't this come back? Exactly. Um, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I told you this is gonna be a tight episode.
1: Um I don't know. Yeah, I think uh I I just I think this movie's fun. Yeah, it's flawed, but you know, who's not? I'm not um, shit. Oh, no, I kidding. uh I guess one thing I forgot to mention is like uh one of my favorite scenes is um a scene which he uh repeats at the end of the credits. Uh the scene when she says that makes you my bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. And I love that he appreciated that scene enough to play it again at the end of the credits. So it's like he he knew he knew.
0: (laughs) I am just glad that Jay Hernandez finally got his due with Suicide Squad many years later. And that's all I'm going to say. That's that's what I'm going to leave my thoughts out on. Um, Vanna, where can people find you on social? And do you have anything exciting in the pipeline?
1: Um on socials you can find me at horror Hellion. um that'll be on Twitter or TikTok uh, even my letterbox is under that and then for Instagram it is the horror Hellion. and uh right now I don't have anything too exciting um but we'll see
0: you can find me at jfc doomblade on Twitter Instagram Letterboxd Tumblr Substack any anywhere really. If there's a JFC Doomblade, it's most likely me. Um, you can also find the podcast at Carnal EX Pod. We are also available on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Get help us get our name out there. Um, I know we took a long break, but we're getting back into the swing of things. We're hanging out more. We got lots of great plans like the next four episodes have guests which is pretty fucking exciting
1: very exciting
0: and it is a cavalcade of people that you know and love and can't wait to reveal all that with you